Welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. We are a collective of content creators, writers, and indie enthusiasts whose mission is to introduce gamers to hidden gems in the indie game world. I am Puppet Master N, and in today's episode, we are joining our Ravens out on the convention floor at MAGFest 2023 in Washington, D.C., During the first week of January, we had the opportunity to browse a variety of indie games showcased at MAGFest 2023. MAGFest is a nonprofit organization that hosts conventions several times a year with the goal of making the world a better place through video games. We will be back with our first interview right after this. Welcome back to the Game Raven Review Podcast. For our first interview at MAGFest 2023, we join Lil Forest Fay with the developers of Kids of Karandau, a 16-bit style RPG with a fast-paced, action-packed combat system. So first start off, um, what, what was the inspiration for the game? Um, so Kids of Karandau is actually a remake of a game we made when we were kids. Like oh, we wow. were in uh, high school, um, like I don't know, maybe 15 years old or something. So a long time ago. Um, and we're, as adults now, we're like, well, we want to really remake this game and something that's a lot more modern, a lot more um, fun yeah. um, and uh, bring it to a much wider audience. And so the game was inspired by a few different source materials. Like in terms of gameplay, it's uh, from this game called Grandia, is where the combat system is really heavily inspired from. And some of the other systems, like the menus and stuff, there's Fantasy Star, which I don't know, it's a kind of a game from the late 80s, early 90s uh, for the Genesis. And um, other things like Final Fantasy, so some of yeah. that as well. Um, the story actually is quite a bit darker than people probably initially realize because of the name of the game mm-hmm. um, you're basically trying to overthrow the king and uh, there's two scenarios that will ultimately be in the end of the game one where you play as the good guys which, which is what we have here mm-hmm. and then one where you play as the bad guys who ultimately learn they're the bad guys and then not to spoil too much but yeah. end up going together um, I oh yeah actually there is some inspiration from a lot of science fiction as well in the story yeah, so okay. I'm a big Star Trek guy so oh, there's okay. definitely elements of Star Trek in the story as well you want to add Gary? I don't know I'm just the uh, the music guy so I oh, make all the music okay. for Kids of Canada that all kind of started um, I guess back in the day I guess in the olden days when we used to make games <laughs> on computers yeah I was also the music guy just because I had that that background yeah and uh, I just kind of grew into this role. I don't know. Yeah, so. I was going to say the music is beautiful in it, and I wanted to ask who did it. Okay, it was, yeah, it wow. was me. Wow, yeah. it is wonderful. I so, love like, it. I never thought of myself as like someone that, let's say, composed music, but yeah. I've always done it Like ever since like our very first game that we actually okay. made together as a team. It was actually this game like, that we oh, did in high school. Wow. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool that I get a chance to kind of do this again. So. Yeah, so like... So you said that you guys kind of made a game similar when you were about 15, and so what sparked now to 
kind of rebirth that again? Um, to remake it, I think in our minds it was, well for me at least, maybe I won't speak on your behalf, but <laughs> it was unfinished business. Okay. I always had to go back and recreate this thing because I always had a love for it. It was yeah. a lot of nostalgia, a lot of passion for it. I knew we could make it, like, I think we can make it good. Hopefully people play it think, yeah. think it's good. Yeah, so in that, in that like, area, that long haul between, like, us finishing high school and whatever until now, we've always, like, kind of talked about that one day yeah. that we're going to do this, right? And then okay. one day we get to, like, come and show our game at, like, a convention like this. Great, and then, yeah. So here, here we are. Yeah, right? has... People are, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, people are coming and playing it, they're, they're liking it, and it's, it's wild. Yeah. Has, has it been... A easier to access being an indie game developer more recently than it did in the past maybe yes oh absolutely so that was like the 90s um yeah. and we are from a, we were well i yeah, we're both from a small city in canada okay and now i live in new york and he lives somewhere else in canada <laughs> um so and uh, there's a lot of a lot more resources out there yes, um yeah the internet's full of like tutorials and stuff the tools have come such like such a long way and there's like game development cooperatives that have popped up now i'm a member of gumbo he's kind of gumbo jason okay which is a new york game development cooperative there's a few other people actually yeah. here from gumbo as well okay yeah like imagine this like back when we were in high school the internet wasn't was almost not even a thing yeah like, it had just started in like kind of like the, the mid 90s i guess so like getting access to like learn how to do stuff was really really tough. Yeah, to even make the game that you yeah. want to make. Yeah, because yeah, we are uh, an indie game reviewing company, so we focus on indie games and focus on like solo developers and stuff like that. So it's really exciting that there's more people that are able to that yeah, dream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, is this available on Steam? Uh, there's a demo on Steam. Okay. Uh, the game's not done yet. It's gonna be. In, uh, it's gonna be a few more years. In okay. The, in, the, in the oven. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So we were hoping for probably 2027. So it's still a okay, few years. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope anyone anyone who listens to this or reads the article come follow us yeah wish, wish list us on steam or join our discord okay yeah i i played a demo of it i had a lot of fun I'm, I'm, thank you. <laughs> i was like oh i didn't even check the time i was like i probably should get up but i would i would keep playing this awesome. it's very fun what did you say your favorite thing about the game um i the music first of all i really like the music um i also the characters the characters are fun and like you said it, it seems like there's kind of a darker story than you would expect and kind of uh one genre that i know my sister and i have been talking about is a uh, cute horror oh, it's yeah. kind of a thing where it's like it's a kind of a cute game but it's a horror and like kind of a dark theme game and so um i really like those so that kind of attracted me i was like oh interesting this this is about you know like oh they're little kids going through this thing but it's definitely a more like scary like a little a, bit yeah. <laughs> it's a little creepy <laughs> but like in a, in a fun way yeah yeah they're uh yeah that's a misconception that i think you learn as you get like because the kids of karen now they, it doesn't refer to the, the kids that you're yeah. the people you're playing as oh, okay it's uh they're actually and you find this out as you play the game they're actually in their early 20s mostly. okay okay so, yeah. Um, but as the kids actually mean the kids of the country of Carindale, like all the children. Oh, so, 
seeing that. Oh, I'm so interested. It seems like a, such story. a big story. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, is there anything you would want to add? I think I'm good. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for playing and thanks for the interview. This oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Next up, we have yours truly. I was able to chat with the developer of another up-and-coming RPG called Hazuki Dies, She Has No Name by Lame Dimension. Who are you and what do you do? I'm Cherry Tables and I, de- I develop video games, but I also like playing fighting games. I'm speedrunning. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, and I forgot to ask you, can you say your name and then spell it out for me? Oh, okay, sure. It's Cherry Tables. So that's C-H-I-R-G... T-A-B-L-E-S. Chair tables. Chair G. Chair, chair G tables. Yes. This is perfect. Very easy to remember. Um, so can you tell me what are you what is this? What are you working on? So this game is called Hazuki Dies. It's essentially a game where you get to experience the life of playing a bottom tier character because she's <laughs> she's actually the worst character in the game. She she's that's that's because you're you're just a girl who wants to be a doctor but gets mixed up and becomes part of a gang. Now she has to fight she has to fight all sorts of people. <laughs> and yeah, so so she gets into fights and all these fights are a, a, a rhythm art RPG fight. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I relate with that a lot, being a bottom tier player myself. Um, yeah, life doesn't always go the way that you want it to. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, so, what got you, what inspired you to make this game? Oh, okay. So, it, so here's the weird thing. Um, it's, it's actually a mix of stories that got me into making this game. So the first thing is there's a game called Live A Live. And it's a, it's a really good game. However, it was never released in Japan. and I mean, it was never released in America. So so I, I played it and I'm like, oh, I wish there was an English localization for this. I, I need to have more. And then I, I look if there's any other games similar to it. And there was Toho A Life. It was a fan game, but with Toho characters. I'm like, oh, this is so fun. But I want, I want more of this. And there was no, none anymore. And I'm like, okay, if... If there's no good, if there's no English re-release, and if there's no other co- games like this, I will make this game. And, it, and it's also it's also a case of um, so there's there's another game that does have the protagonist of this game, but I, but I made that for for class and it was a Game Boy Advance game, and I awesome. and I and I was like. But the thing is, developing for Game Boy Advance is so hard that I, I basically only made like a one-minute game if you if you do it really fast. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I want to do justice for this character. I want to. I want her story to be more. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about her. Okay, so Hazuki is she. She is a girl who just wants to be a doctor. However, it's life. It's tough for her because she. She cannot. She cannot afford tuition for medical school. So she's a med. She's in pre-med right now, and medical school is considered to be a lot more expensive. And right now, she's just. She's just working like you know small jobs, like working in a taco restaurant because she loves tacos a lot. <laughs> awesome. And yeah. Um, so essentially, this is. This game is part of. Part of like a, a whole big series with four four different different protagon, protagonists, and she's one of them. Um, so Hazuki dies is basically her backstory before all four of them get back together after being separated for many years. So I'm I'm hearing that there might be a sequel to this game then. 
Yes, there is. Essentially, okay, so it's it's really it's it's really funny because like um what when I graduated when I graduated high school many 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 years ago, um I, I was like I want to make this game about these four characters. But then college happened and I'm like I don't have time to make a game this big with with four of these characters. So I decided I'll make a backstory game for each character and that's why she she has she has her own thing. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I love the depth of story here already. Um So, let's see. Oh, here's here's a good one. If you could go back in time and change one thing or give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to yourself? Oh, okay. One thing I would tell myself is all the reasons why I had to restart developing this game twice at this point. So, so one one of the things I had to do is I I had to I had to basically remake the whole entire battle system. That's because I, the, the way I made it is only it's only for one it's, it's only for battles that's like 1v1, not really for, you know, for multiple enemies. The other thing is that um a lot of, a lot of the, the things that was programmed in this game was hard coded. I didn't know that that I'm going to have friends who are willing to help out with the game. So I had to remake the, a lot of things in order for all of our works to, you know, all, all of our contributions to work together in tandem. Because a lot like I said a lot of it is is hard coded and it's a lot more difficult to explain why this one works like works this way. So so when I, when I re, when I recreated a lot of systems, you know, we're able to work a lot better together. So you know, there's just a lot of there there was just a lot of times where I, I kind of just restarted and I think if I could go back in time, I would do that. So just because you know, I don't think this this game should should take like it's we're currently in our fourth year. I don't think it should be taking this long to make this game. <laughs> yeah, that's the perpetual, you know, issue with indie games is it always feels like it takes longer than it than yeah. it should, but it will come out when it needs to, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh yeah. Um can you I'm going to have you say your name again and um where can we find this game and where can we find you? Okay. So, I'm Chairgy Tables. That's C H I R G T A B L E S and you can find this game on Steam that's Hazuki Dai she has no name and you could you could find me on Twitter at chair g tables Perfect perfect Um yeah so this has been Puppet and um this has been uh, a wonderful interview thank you so much mm-hmm. No problem thank you so much Yeah I was also able to interview the developer of a story-driven run-and-gun platformer called Halt by Bunkbed Fantasy. So who are you and um, what are you working on? Um, I'm a game developer um, and I'm currently working on Halt. It's an RPG with uh, run-and-gun elements and it's also story-driven. Okay, okay. Can you tell me a little bit more about Halt and uh, what inspired it? Um, Halt was mostly inspired by like... Well, I guess I could say, like, the game that made me want to make games was probably, like, Cave Story, because you hear the dev's story, and it's, like, so inspiring. Um, But, yeah, I, like, just grew up with, like, you know, RPGs and, like, 
like Mario and Luigi RPGs. I grew up with like Metal Slug. So really, this has been like a passion project for many years since like 2015. So um, it's just been me putting in like the games I love and trying to like tell a story that I care about. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, is the game released? And uh, when do you think that will be? Um, so we have the demo public right now. It's available on our itch.io page. Um, as right now, we're kind of like at an early alpha stage. We're still looking to like, you know, it's still in development. Um, but probably like we're looking at like a year and a half development window around there before like anything close to release. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me about some of the characters um, in this game. I That was what really drew me in was right. um, a lot of these like run and gun games don't have the depth of story that I noticed in your game. So can you tell me about some of the characters? Oh yeah, for sure. So in the game you play as Chris Tracy. So she's uh, a detective that works for the HPD, which is the Hull Police Department. And they're this private law enforcement that protects the city of New Memories, where nobody remembers anything about their past. So Chris Tracy doesn't really know who she is, but she knows that she has to be a good cop. That's, like, all she knows. So the game, you follow Chris Tracy's, like, adventure trying to protect the city and do her job, and also all her friends, like Turner Chase, who's just kind of, like, her wacky roommate. And, um, yeah, we and also Diablo, who's, like, the chief that loves you but is also, like, really intense <laughs> and overbearing. So, um, yeah. That's a, a little bit about some of the characters, and you're fighting against this crew called the Human, and it's like these got all these people that like wear costumes, and they just like they're all named after like a different body part because they're all like human. Yeah. So there's like Mr. Eye and Mr. Mouth, and like all these characters. Oh, cool! Yeah, at the end of the demo, um, you introduce like a bunch of different characters, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to know more. I want to like see more about them because they all look so unique yeah um tell me about the artwork did you do the art yes um yeah i'm the artist and like animator i went to school for animation so um yeah i just love like i love like drawing monsters and doing like different types of designs i think like doing the character designs and the enemy designs like has always been like one of my favorite parts when it came to like designing the art um, I love just, like, making crazy robot skeletons or, like, um, and, you know, just using all, like, vibrant colors. To me, that's, like, really, like, eye-popping. For the art style, like, a lot of people have, like, compared it to, like, Scott Pilgrim and stuff. I'm really inspired also by, like, cartoons and comics in general. So, yeah, stuff like Adventure Time, Scott Pilgrim, Steven Universe uh, were some of, like, my big inspirations. Very cool. If you could go back in time and change something and or give yourself advice, what would you say to yourself? Um, wow, go back in time, give myself advice? Um, that's a tough question because I feel like I don't regret like anything particularly. Um, you know, the journey has been really fun and really nice and I like where it's taken me. But um, I'd say probably like more focus you know to like because sometimes like we might like change stuff about a project or like go in different directions but really it's all about kind of like really knowing what you want to do and like where you want to go 
with a project or a story or or an art style or anything that you're creating really I think if I could go back in time and give myself advice it'd just be like do what you love and that might sound like kind of cheesy but it really is just like the best thing that's gonna help you so nice yeah. awesome and um, is it just you working on this game or are there other people involved right so I'm like the lead developer uh, but RJ from uh, Unbeatable he's a director on Unbeatable he's um, the composer and also like helps out with the biz dev and like logistics and stuff like that nice. and we just kind of like met uh, as I was developing the project and uh, he hopped on and has helped me a lot like figure out some stuff for the game and and do the music and yeah kind of like a mentor type of thing yeah pretty much Um, so yeah it's been really nice us like working together and and seeing this thing come together more and more yeah Yeah, that's awesome well thank you so much Um, I have been Puppet and this has been Halt Um, thanks for joining me yeah thank you it's been a pleasure MAGFest showcased a variety of indie tabletop games this year at their convention in Washington, D.C. And late one night, our executive director, Sarah Sweetby, stumbled upon Nomnivore Games, a tabletop developer who specializes in ADHD and dyslexic-friendly games. This is Sarah. I'm here with Nomnivore Games. Who am I talking to today, and what do you do? Hi, Sarah. My name is Derek, and I am, I guess, the lead designer at Nomnor Games, where I like to put together a lot of really cool tabletop games designed for a bunch of different audiences. Um, I'm actually a uh, mental health professional turned into a game designer, so we're trying to make sure that we have a seat around a gaming table for literally everyone. So that's actually what got my attention for you guys at first, because your one sign said that it was dyslexic friendly and ADHD friendly I think was also the other one uh, or was it um, so just I guess tell me more about that like I that seems so cool to me sure yeah I'm happy to tell you about that um, there's been an interesting kind of movement it's a really young one in gaming where uh, there's a re- been a recognition of like, for example, younger kids, maybe even adults that are struggling to get into being able to play games because there's so many barriers of entry. This is known as like accessibility, come up with all these ways to kind of help support that type of thing. So uh, it's always really, really great to be able to, you know, bring people around a table to be able to enjoy things together rather than ever leave anyone out. And uh, I, I've always thought of gaming as a really good avenue to help provide mental health care to people from things like helping you create memorable experiences, support groups, all that type of stuff where you really have to be able to make that game accessible to everyone. So a great place to start was really to open it up into all the neurodivergences. So things like ADHD, dyslexia are rather common. We also uh, touch base on things like making sure that uh, people who are sight challenged can also play because we include Braille with some of our games too. That is amazing. I actually don't think I've ever heard of Braille being included in any sort of board game, tabletop game. And I know that's been something that as somebody who doesn't necessarily play a lot of tabletop or card games, I've noticed that like if you don't know how to read or see even, you are at a huge disadvantage for so many of these games. 
Yeah, that's um, that's definitely true. But the accessibility we're talking about isn't just about, let's say, physical disabilities or neurodivergences. We also make sure to produce our games in a way that also supports your mental health. So some of our games, like uh, our RPG, is also really good at handling things like uh, high anxiety or stuff like uh, PTSD. And we're really, really, again, always just trying to make sure that you're always able to have a fun time, no matter what your experience is, no matter where your interests lie, whatever age you are, whatever your experience level, and to do it together as a group. I love that. And before I know you were saying that, um, before we started this interview, that you used all of your proceeds, not all of your proceeds, but you were mentioning about charity, mental health charity. I'm going to reword that real quick. So before we started our interview, you had mentioned to me something about your games going to some sort of mental health charity. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I can definitely elaborate on that. Um, all of the games that I work on are ones that are designed specifically to try and provide care to people. And as a result, um, and, you know, they're also really fun games just on its own. But as a result, all the money that we make, that uh, it's basically subdivided into a couple of purposes. One of the things that we do is we put that money towards supporting developing new content for the game and new games in general to make sure that more people are able to access things like mental health, uh, fun games with just their friends that they typically couldn't interact with. The other portion of the money that we have goes towards supporting different groups that need that help. And we don't look at mental health as a isolated thing. We look at it as a holistic thing where sometimes that could just mean having food on your table to eat. Because, I mean, of course you're going to be struggling with something like depression if you are worried about your next meal. So we'll direct our funds towards different groups whenever we need... Or whenever uh, like they need to be met in whatever limited way that we can support them. And currently, all of the proceeds that we're making that isn't going to supporting and sustaining the company is going towards uh, Ukraine because I think just about everyone else forgot they exist. Yeah, I thought about that recently. Somebody had mentioned, I think in Final Fantasy, that they had paused something in Final Fantasy fourteen because of Ukraine. And I was like... Everybody kind of stopped working about that for a bit. That's not good. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's good, but at the same time, I also understand that there's quite a bit of need out there. There's always a good cause, like your local children's hospitals, making sure, let's say, your own kids are fed. Like, all that makes sense and, and all that. So just like that, like there are, there are going to be limits on what we can do too, but we do want to make sure that we're taking the extra effort to do whatever we can whenever we can. I love that. And you, I'm sitting here looking at a, like, role-playing game and something with dinosaurs. What, what games do you, you either in particular or just your whole uh, company, what games do you guys make? What are these games? Plug them a little bit for me. Yeah, sure. Um, we do a lot of different games, though we are kind of a young studio. Um, we're known for our card and role-playing games, and both are of the tabletop variety. But we do know that people are looking at uh, playing these games with further and further distances and so forth. So all of our games aren't designed only run on the table, they actually can be played online as well. 
And we do include both versions with everything, so you'll be able to enjoy it whichever way you want. If it's not included, that's because it's already free in some format, and you can just <laughs> find it there. Um, the the ca casual card games we design are good for audiences from as young as the ages of, let's say, five and up. Uh, and they're really fun, simple experiences that even if you have ADHD, dyslexia, or whatever, you can get down, play together in a quick little game that is not only fun, uh, we've been told often that they're great ways to lose all your friends. <laughs> Whereas on the other end, we have an epic role-playing game called Emberwind, which is built like no other game on the entire market, at least not to our knowledge. Um, what we tried to do was we tried to first make a role-playing game that was super accessible. So the typical barriers of entry are people don't know how to read 300 pages of rules. They don't want to read 300 pages of rules. They don't have a dungeon master, that type of stuff to play. So we decided to simplify this entire game to a single sheet of paper for rules and then also make it completely modular. So if you're playing this game, you don't have to play, I, I guess the way I put it is, you're not playing our game so much as you're playing your game. And you pick and choose the things you want to put into it to create the exact experience you like, and everything you don't like, you throw away. Um, this is really cool because we took it, that idea and turned that up to 11, which means that if uh, you don't have a GM, for example, you can play it without one. If, let's say, your friends that are playing with you want different rules, they can play with those, and you can still play together. It plays both as a dice game. We have card-based mechanics. You can play it on your table or online, multiplayer or single player, and so on and so forth. That's so cool that it's both... I that Emberwind has so many avenues. I was going to say because it's online, but the fact that you have dice options, and I'm looking at these sheets, and it's kind of amazing how much that you can fit into a sheet of paper. Because I remember D&D uh, &D being a barrier entry for me in my experience. I had somebody say, well, you don't know anything about it. You need to read the whole book. And I sat there, and I read the whole book so I could join their campaign. And that's something that, if you're not into reading and you're maybe struggling with reading or don't have access to a full guidebook, that's keeping you from doing something. So that is absolutely amazing to me that there's something like this on the market now. Yeah, um, thank you so much for saying all that. I'm really sorry that you had such jerkish friends that made you read an entire giant rule book. Usually what happens is the DM gets thrown on their bus yeah. and they're told to tell you all the rules that you need. Yeah. Um, but... Um, regardless of any of that uh, we try to basically circumvent that so like the typical barriers and entries aren't there if you have an interest in role playing you can make it purely about role play if you like combat you can do that or mix and match the, the whole point of this game is that we want to make sure that anyone can play which is why uh, even the design of everything, like our character sheets to the orientation of our books, are done in a way to make it so that people who either can't or don't like to read can enjoy it. We've gotten a lot of reviews from people who do have ADHD and dyslexia, but they can play this game. We've also had people with very high anxiety say, guess what, this is the first time in like a decade I've been actually able to play this type of thing and role play with my friends. And that's, that's the type of thing we really want to hear. That's the reason why we're putting in all the effort into all this type of work, because we want to make sure that you're having a good time no matter who you are. I love that. All right, we will wrap it up a little bit. Um, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice or to somebody in general, what's some advice for the crowd? Uh, I look back to myself when I first decided I was going to start doing all this game stuff and tell myself, 
I'm an idiot. Don't go do that. Uh, that's not to say I don't like all the stuff I'm working on and all the lives that are uh, hopefully being possibly affected by all this. It's really just saying that, oh man, uh, you really have no time to do anything else other than game design when you get into this life to the point where I, I feel like I work on games way more than I even get to play them anymore. And uh, I definitely don't get to sleep as much as I want to. So, um, so yeah. So anyone, anyone really who's listening who wants to get in this type of thing, just make sure you understand that this is going to be a life of a lot of coffee if you take this route. Yes. And then um, I don't think I mentioned this, but we are at uh, MAGFest 2023. As if you're listening to this podcast or interview, you probably know. Um, it is currently like 1.30 in the morning doing this interview. So the gaming world really does not rest for anybody. <laughs> nope, not at all. Especially because this is my third day in a row like this with over 20 hours on the show floor. Well, thank you for still taking the time to talk with me and interview. It has been such a pleasure, Derek, and I really hope to see some more from Nomnivore Games in the future. Yeah, thank you so much, especially for taking time to talk to me when you're so very tired too <laughs> uh, anything else you want to plug socials or websites anything else that people should go to and know yeah sure um, if people want to find any of our stuff the easiest way to find us is going to be on any of the socials where you can find us at nomnivore games that's really the word omnivore with a little cute n in front of it uh, or if you're looking directly for, let's say, the role-playing game, you can find that by simply Googling something like Emberwind. All right, sounds great. Thank you again. We've been exploring the convention floor at MAGFest 2023, held during the first weekend of January in Washington, D.C. We're going to take a short break, but when we return, we will continue to hear interviews with indie developers at this massive convention. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the Game Raven Review Podcast. In today's episode, we are exploring the convention floor at MAGFest 2023 in Washington, D.C. Our Ravens had the opportunity to interview a variety of indie game developers while they wandered through the indie game section of this massive convention. Next, we join Sarah Sweetby as she interviews the developers of Don't Fraud My Heart by Dogwood Gaming. This is Sarah with Game Raven Review doing an interview with who am I interviewing? Say your name, spell it. Oh, my name is Asema Koga, and I am a programmer currently with a Dogwood Gaming, usually a 3D artist. And who else am I with today? And I'm Sam Martino. I'm the CEO of, of Dogwood Gaming. Perfect. And just my real quick questions. Does Game Raven Review have permission to use recorded audio of this interview? Absolutely. Yes. Do we have permission to use a written transcription? Yes. Yes. And are we able to use images and videos from the interview or your booths? Yes to both. Yes. This is Sarah interviewing 
I'm terrible at names. Who am I interviewing Sarah? again? Or you could just call me Sam if it's easier. Sam? For you. Okay. <laughs> no, he's a Sene, I'm Sam. A Sam Asene? Yes. Okay. And uh, what studio are you guys from? What uh, are we Dogwood doing? Dogwood Gaming. Dogwood Gaming. Based in uh, Rockville, Maryland. Oh, so you guys are pretty local to yeah, MagFest. We're, we're about an hour away. We come here every year. Do you guys normally like travel to other conventions or is it just like a MagFest local thing you guys show up to? I would say this is the fifth year that Dogwood has a, had a presence at MAGFest, um, but we don't do too many others. We did Otakon this past uh, summer, um, but I yeah. I wish you guys at Otakon. I was there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're with our, our, our artist who's also here with an artist booth. Oh. So. When we're done, we need to get you our card so that yes. we can just, if we're at some so the same event. So I don't miss you guys yeah. again. <laughs> we appreciate you. Yes, of course. Okay, so. What do you guys do in your positions? What is your part in your project? What are you guys currently working on? Uh, well, currently our uh, biggest project, uh, Don't Frog My Heart, is a visual novel dating sim that is completely a uh, program within Microsoft PowerPoint. Usually I am a artist, whether it's concept artist or 3D artist for our projects we work on, but for this project I am exclusively working on uh, the programming of the actual game within PowerPoint. And then Sam, what do you do? Um, I, I started the company with my friends seven years ago. Um, I, I've, I've worn pretty much every hat in, in the industry doing this, but we were working on a totally unrelated Unreal project, and Aseme told me he learned how to make PowerPoint games, and it's really blown up from there with this game. I love that. I remember making, I had a tech class back in like middle school, and we had to make a Jeopardy game that, on yep. PowerPoint. And I feel like that's probably where it all started with you or something along those lines. Just Absolutely. bored little kid and found something to work with, you know? <laughs> I love that. I'm so just, uh, I guess, interview disclaimer. I love doing the thing where I don't play the game and I interview you guys and then I play it after, so I'm like totally blind. Oh, sure. But I'm very excited to see how, because I've heard great things about the game already, kind of see how that works with PowerPoint and how like it all seems together. So that's really exciting. Um, what originally got you guys into indies or what you're doing? Sam, I guess I'll start with you because you started the company. So what got you into this? So I, I was in college for a political science. I was in my last semester and I just, I really didn't enjoy it. It was, it came easy to me, but I, it really wasn't what I was passionate about. And my friends were like, oh, we should try and make a video game. And seven years later, we're still here doing it. But I was very fortunate that I went to this cafe called Sam's in Rockville for years and just all all kinds of talented people would get, would come in and they got to work with me and a semi who I went to high school with I we we reconnected at Sam's and he's one of the first people who came on with me but he is entirely self-taught he has done everything from 3d modeling to concept art to now he is the full developer of this project and I'm so. trying my own shoes <laughs> I, that's really. I actually didn't even tie my shoes this morning. I think I've left them tied from when I, I got them from the Vans. It's, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. I just I solely wear Vans, and then I leave them how they're tied, and then I just slip them on from there. So honestly, that is pretty damn impressive. Oh, sorry, whoever's editing this. I don't think I'm supposed to curse. Okay. So, Asadi, how did you get into all of this? Are you guys knew each other in high school? You met at a cafe. What's your story before and I guess leading into this? I mean, um, beforehand, I've always been someone who's really liked to have a casual interest in art, drawing, um, 3D art, um, digital art, and I honestly 
was seeing Sam asking all our other friends if they would like to participate or if they want to work, and I felt very jealous. So <laughs> Sam didn't recruit me as much as I went up to him and say, Sam, give me work to do, and I'll do work for the company. And then a couple of years later, I said, wait, does this mean I'm employed? And the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> So, so it's very much me sort of wanting to just find another thing I got really excited about and working with this game, working with Dogwood, learning different tools and trades and skills has been something I've had the great opportunity to get really excited about working with. That is amazing. I love that. We um, went to a panel about working in video games and so much of it is that knocking down, even if you knew each other, knocking down doors and saying, this is what I know, this is what I can do for you and really like jamming your foot in the door, not just like stepping it in. It's like, no, I'm gonna kick this down. Um, so what are you guys most excited about with this project? Is is it a fully completed game, the Dumbbreaker? So we're, it's, we've almost finished the first romance path right now. Okay. Um, we, but we are, this is something that really hasn't been done before at all. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, gray area as to what's going to happen with it like we're we, we will one be the very first powerpoint game ever on steam and also i think I, I think it is currently longer than the record for longest powerpoint slideshow ever and we're not even done with the first romance path so this is like like i really we you know assemi and i both go the same way we we really want to see other people do this like this yeah. is this is something that you just need microsoft office and you could make an entire game out of it were you doing a panel on this? Because I feel like I saw a panel for it in the schedule. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was on Thursday from 3 to 4. I had done a panel for this. And I really regret not rescheduling it now because a lot of people have stated how much they really wanted to check it out. They just weren't here at that time. Yeah. Um, like Sam has stated, there's a really incredible educational base for it. And I really like how the path video games in themselves have gone just recently in the last decade. The barrier of entry is really being lowered and shortened. And something like Microsoft Office that everyone, or if not similar, Google Slides has access to, knowing you can make games, make a functional user experience within either of those applications is amazing. That is something that um, I had a brief, when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to be in the gaming world, I had a brief stint where I was like, maybe I want to like program or design, and I think I downloaded Unreal. And it was on this laptop that I now use and just carry around with me, because if I lose it, it's not a big deal. And it was just like on fire, I couldn't do anything, and I just didn't know a place to start. So knowing that this is something that is possible, that people are doing, well, at least that you're doing. I don't know if anybody else is doing it, but that you are doing is really cool. Something really awesome. Sorry, I'm looking for my next question. Sorry, Frankie, or whoever's editing this. So what made you guys decide to do a dating game, visual novel in particular? Um, it really fits, like, it, you know, I mean, it, it, it is PowerPoint, so, like, yeah. we are limited in a lot of what we can do, but it lends to doing that kind of style. I mean, a semi can go into the finer details about it, but, I mean, it's being able to have, like, text animate on screen and, and show up and skip through that, and all the mini games are all things that you could normally do in PowerPoint. Um, I, I think a semi could talk more about the specifics. PowerPoint doesn't like variables. It won't really count anything for you. So a lot of it is a guided experience. But what 
like with many guided experiences, as long as you curate it in a certain way, the player doesn't necessarily feel that as much. So from the boatload of selections of games that exist, we drew from a lot of different ideas and got to visual novels and dating sims because they are so much of branching pathways and selecting things, similar to like Jeopardy games that people yeah. play or, or make, or similar to how um, when you're playing in or like using PowerPoint, you might hyperlink to a certain slide just to make sure that you skip through uh, certain things. So it really just seemed to mesh through with what we knew and understood or and what we've experienced before in PowerPoint. Awesome. Give me just a second because I got a phone call. I want to make sure it did not stop your recording. Cool. It did not stop your recording. So what makes your dating sim unique? I heard it compared to kind of to Doki Doki. I don't know if that is just something that Emily threw out of thin air or if there is some reasoning behind that. Uh, that's more so like that's how we want to uh, monetize it is, okay. is that it's going to be free to play for everybody and uh, because we're working with an artist who we met at that same cafe who he's not like officially like a full-time like employee of Dogwood but he does all of our concept work as a contractor so we have so this is a way for us to hype up his merch shop and actually get his stuff out there as well as all the stuff related to the game Awesome. Any comments from you? Um, may you repeat the question, please? Basically, what what's making your game, I guess, unique? Um, well, I would say a big part of it is that the setting is a tax fraud agency. Oh. And you are trying to figure out the different tax forms these companies and organizations are turning in, um, whether they are trying to commit fraud and how they're committing fraud. And having that sort of setting and dynamic around it is really interesting to a lot of different people. I think we've had near 40 people come up and say, I'm in accounting or I I'm in the IRS. Yes. And <laughs> this is like really interesting that you're parodying and, and sort of like making fun of and nods to this career path that I have that I haven't seen in any other yeah. game try to, to do or try to write towards or connect with. Um, the other part of the side, part the other side of the coin is that this is done in Microsoft PowerPoint, which is just an amazing advertising tool to say like this is unique and special, but also as a practical example for people to sort of grow and sort of learn from. Developing something like this makes it really important. Um, so it's an entertainment piece, but also like a potential teaching tool. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, so all of the romance options are are based on on different sets of office equipment. Oh. So so we have a Rolodex character, a calculator character, a fax machine, a CRT monitor, and it's it's been a lot of fun because I so because we're we're an indie studio. I've I've had to do the studio's taxes since we started, yeah. and business taxes are stupid, and it's a lot of work to do like for one person. But so all the mini games and jokes are all based on my experiences of doing our taxes over the past few years. I love that, and I love that it's not. Just just, uh, I feel like everything's either like fantasy based or like high school dating oh, you know, sim. This is set in 1997 in Gary, Indiana. Amazing. I love that. All right. So kind of my last question for you guys. If you could go back in time and change one thing about your journey in this or give yourself a piece of advice or both, what would it be? Sorry, I need to think about that. I would say I should 
have tried doing more things in preparation for sort of working with this company or working with video games. I think uh, the greatest benefit I've had is that I've done a little bit of drawing, I've done a little bit of digital art, I've gone into learning stuff about 3D um, uh, modeling and learning a little bit about code here and there, and there are many times where even if I'm not working on a project myself, or this isn't the aspect of the project I'm working on, someone has an opinion or a, an idea or even just a problem, and it's easier to talk out or explore and then branch out what I'm working with and sort of my expertise and it works vice versa where like a lot of the tax uh, document uh, information that we pulled for this game were from different people's perspectives of what different businesses do for taxes what different people have to go through when, uh, when applying and sort of um, curating their expenses and so just going wider in my life and trying more things would have really helped just make everything I do more diverse Right. And do you have an answer now? Yes, I, I, I have to say, and like this is really for anybody that wants to make video games, is I 100% recommend doing conventions like MAGFest way earlier in your career than anything else. I, you know, I was very fortunate that when we first started Dogwood, we uh, joked around that, oh, maybe we can get free tickets to E3. And then we literally did. And like it opened all kinds of doors, all the people we met. I mean, I came here yesterday and went to a panel about VR, and then they invited me to speak on the panel with them three hours afterwards. You know, and like those are, you know, making games is a huge part of it, but like being able to talk to people makes such a, such a huge difference. I keep telling people, I've kind of said, we've had a similar journey with conventions where there was just one day I said, hey, PAX is looking for press. We should just do this thing. Yeah. Um, and the answer is always no if you don't try. And honestly, there are so many opportunities that you will be surprised what you can fall into just from showing up to a panel or saying hi to the right person or being nice and shaking a hand. Yeah. So it is super important to, I guess, try everything. Kind of like both of you said. Tying it all back in there, Perfect. I guess. Well, thank you both again for interviewing with me. It was a pleasure. You guys are a blast, and I can't wait to try the game. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And just give a reminder to the fans, the listeners, who are we talking to again? What do you do? Plug yourself, socials, your site, all that good stuff. My name is Asema Koga. Um, I'm a right now programmer with Dogwood Gaming. Um, you can find us at Dogwood Gaming on Twitter, Facebook, and on Twitch. On Saturdays, we do developer streams working with our current project, Don't Fraud My Heart. So if you want any input into how we're making the game or just see how PowerPoint works as a game engine, please check us out on that. And we also have a Discord as well that you can find um, through our Facebook and our Twitter. Awesome. And anything extra you want to plug, Sam? Uh, just I'm I'm Sam Martino from Dogwood Gaming, and and we really love helping people to try and get into this industry. So all of our socials, like Asime said, Dogwood Gaming, you can reach out to us. And if you join our Discord, we're all in there, and we and we, and we love being able to talk to people that want to make games. All right. Thank you guys again. Thank you. One of my favorite indie games showcased at Magfest this year was a game called Wildmender by Muse Games. I first noticed this game because of the adorable little plants they had displayed at their booth. After playing a bit of their demo, I was able to interview their lead temple and level designer. Hi, Cameron. Hello. Tell me who you are and what you do. Yes. Um, so I am um, 
the uh, lead to Temple and uh, tutorial designer for this game. Uh, so I'm in charge of making sure that players always know uh, what they should be doing and that there's always interesting things in front of them to play with and interact with because there's a lot of really cool, inter interesting systems that are in this game um, and I want to make sure players know what they are and want to check them out and explore them fully. Very cool. Um, so tell me about Wild Mender. What is it? How did it... How was it born? <laughs> yes, so Wildmender is a um, survival gardening game. Um, and the important thing about that is that instead of building a base and sort of terraforming the land to fit your own needs, instead you work with the land and you grow a garden. And just as you grow and take care of your garden, your garden helps you grow and takes care of you. Um, so the three tenets of the game are sort of explore, grow, survive. So as you go out and explore, you find seeds to bring back to your garden to grow into larger, more nutritious fruits that allow you to survive longer, which allow you to explore further, and then you see how the gameplay loop works. Very cool. So um, I, I was told that um, there's a little garden that everybody's been working on um, since the start of the event. Can you tell me more about that? Yes. Uh, so when you start the game in Wildmender, it is just a small pool of water, a couple of seeds, and uh, your spirit guide friend. But since Thursday morning, over the course of uh, MAGFest, we've had players picking up where other players left off. So we're having the game just be persistent at the con. Uh, so as each player plays for about 10 minutes, they're adding to the garden that the next person is going to come up with and interact with. So it's now this huge, lush, beautiful garden with all sorts of trees and shrubs and plants. And it is all, all of those things have been specifically placed and grown by the people who have come and gone from the booth throughout the week. Very cool. And um, how many people are on your team? Uh, we've got um, about a dozen people uh, working on Wildbender, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Um, where can we find Wildbender? Yes. Um, so we are on um, Discord. We are on Twitter. Uh, we are all over the social media um, at Wildmender Game. Uh, most importantly, if you wishlist us on Steam, you will get a very handy notification of, hey, wow, this game looks cool. I might want to get it. As soon as it comes out, Steam will be like, hey, remember that cool game? Uh, you can get it now. <laughs> and it's free and it helps the devs out. Absolutely. So, yes. yes. We yes. love doing that. Yes. yes. We talk about algorithms all the time. That's, wishlisting is how you appease the Steam algorithm. Yes. Yeah. I'm always telling gamers, list, please wishlist. It doesn't cost you a thing. It takes just a second. Even if you're slightly interested. Yes, yes absolutely. It. It's awesome. Anything else you want to tell me about the game? Um, I think, so personally, as like a designer programmer, I think the most interesting things about the game are the realistic water simulation and the fact that the plants naturalistically and dynamically grow. So if you plant four shrubs next to each other, when they're all grown, they're going to look like four unique individual shrubs that grow in a way that real shrubs would actually grow. Uh, so it's a very, you know, minor, very small detail, but it took a lot of under-the-scenes technical work, and I think that, that even if you players don't notice it directly, I think they really feel it in the game, and it makes everything feel more alive. Yeah, more immersive and more unique, for sure. Like, you're actually in a garden. Yes, Like, yes. all plans are different, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's so cool. Um, one last question that I just remembered. Um, it's one of our favorites. If you could go back in time and give yourself advice, what would that be? Be more clear. Um, we've had a lot of issues with the game. Like I said, there's been a lot of very interesting mechanics that this game has to offer. Um, but communicating those to the player after they're created has been a lot more difficult than instead creating them with the how do we teach this to players in mind. Um, you know, it has taken a significant amount of work on my end. And if I may be so bold, I think I've been successful in um, 
teaching players those mechanics, but I think I could have saved a lot of work if I had been working with the programmer team from the beginning to make sure everything was clear and transparent. Gotcha. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm Puppet, and I'm here with Wild Mender and Cameron. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. There were a variety of new indie games made for older consoles showcased at MAGFest this year. And one of these NES indies that caught our eye was Fire and Rescue by Skyboy Games. Next, we join Juan and Little Forest Fay as they interview Robbie, the founder of Skyboy Games. All right. What's your name? So I'm Robbie Dietrich. Uh-huh. Okay. And I am the owner and founder of Skyboy Games. All right. So what? So uh, like, what exactly is Skyboy Games? I've noticed that it seems to be like Super Nintendo old school right, game, gaming yeah. system type thing. So Skyboy Games actually started uh, a while back as kind of just like the vehicle for me doing just kind of like independent development on okay. the side. Okay. And I actually I actually come from the games industry. I, I've been in the games industry since like 2005 professionally. Wow. I worked in Japan for about 10 years as a programmer and like a lead programmer on various projects. Okay. And I kind of started, you know, Skyboy Games on the side at some point, just as a place where I do like kind of independent game work, a little bit of contracting here okay. and there. And most recently, I've been teaching at George Mason University as a professor there of game design. Wow! And probably about two years ago or so, I think I yeah. lost count since yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> but I did a game jam, which is called the Lost Cartridge Jam. Okay. And for that one, it's themed around creating like games or that are as if you had found some cartridge for a game you never heard of before. Yeah. And I decided to uh, try learning some homebrew development there. It was like 72 hour jam. I thought like, oh, I've never really thought much about homebrew, but why not give it a try? Yeah. And then I tried it and I made something I really, really, really liked doing it. Um, so I thought, okay, this is cool. Now I want to make a complete game. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and that took about eight months, but that's what became Fire and Rescue. Okay. And so that was really fun to do, and I'm still at this point mostly doing it because it entertains me. Yeah. And I put out the ROM, and I had a fairly decent reaction, and I had some people saying, like, hey, are you going to do a physical version? I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and when I said that, then basically, like, uh, some people from the homebrew community uh, or as we might might call it, like the indie nest community, yeah. uh, came in basically like one of them basically like slid into my DMs <laughs> and said like, "Hey, do you want to have a call?" And this was uh, Justin Orrich, yeah. I think, who's a really nice person in the in the scene. And we had this call where he sort of spent a few hours like telling me about all the stuff that I would need. Like, oh yeah, you can get a chip programmer here from Amazon. Um, I like to get. Uh, microchips of this specification from eBay. Um, these are the people that I like to go to for circuit boards and the wow. shells. And so I started to get all those pieces yeah. together and I learned how to solder, which is... So you made the cartridges yourself? I do. I make the cartridges oh myself. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. So it's, I, I had no idea that this was even possible. Like, this yeah. is I to do. But at first I thought I would hate it. I thought like soldering, oh, this is going to be a pain in the butt. I could maybe do 10 of these. But then I did, I found like, I kind of like doing this very zen. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm from Star Trek or something. It just kind of like, go you know, piece yeah. by piece. And so I started making physical versions and I started, I put up a website in order to sell them. And that worked out pretty well. I showed the game, I showed Fire and Rescue at MacFest yeah. last year. Okay. And I was, I happened to have like 10 physical copies and I sold out. And I was like, Yay! this is incredible. <laughs> and this is what I'm, my wife's like, 
maybe this isn't just a hobby, you know? And so yeah. we get more and uh, and now I'm working on the second project, which is still in in, in, uh, in development. Is that Gunhawk? That's Gunhawk, yeah. Okay. And that one is a combination zapper and gamepad game. Yeah. And and that one, it's very much uh, a lot of these games are about me kind of like reflecting on my childhood, where okay. Fire and Rescue is me thinking back to the Nintendo, which was the first system that I played mm-hmm. as a kid, and. I wanted to make a game that felt like it fit right in the black box yeah. set of like the original releases. And I actually thought of it specifically as what if it was one of the black box games? Like yeah. I, I looked at the portfolio of games and like what's something thematically that they haven't done? What's something that's within the scope of like the technology that they're using? Yeah. So the actual like uh, the circuit board there is an actual NROM board, which is the same kind of board as was used in the black box okay. games, so it has like the same type of limitations. And so it was very much about trying to create something that was like design-wise, feel-wise, and also like thematically would fit in with that portfolio. Yeah. And with Gunhawk, I'm basically uh, I'm I'm a big anime giant robot nerd. Okay. Yeah. So in my head canon, that game is a licensed game based off of some like obscure mecha anime that never made it to the states. And then what we're seeing here is like we're just seeing the game brought over. So it's like it's like where did this come from? And like. Yeah the design of all these things like they're a little bit more involved than just like a generic space shooter what's is this from something so i want to have a yeah. little bit of that mystery as we go into it and okay. then finding ways to have fun with the zapper which is a really interesting person yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i bet that's probably easier said than done to do the whole zapper yeah. thing so did you have to change your approach to game development since you're working with those limitations now yeah so i found like i really appreciate the limitations so um, one of the, so there are a couple things that you really have to, to deal with here. First of all, there's all the graphical limitations in terms of like, you know, you only have so many colors available at a certain point. You have a limited set of palette selections you can make, and it's kind of fun to be able to like try to design graphics. And it's like, how can I make something that looks like anything within this like limited like eight by eight or sixteen by sixteen space? Yeah and I only have three colors to work with and kind of figure out how I can kind of work around the limitations and oh, if I put an extra sprite here, I'll get an extra color. Is it worth it performance-wise to do this? Um, and so it's like kind of like a big puzzle yeah. in a lot of ways. I find that super enjoyable. Uh, but there's also like a lot of little tricks that you can only do because it was the old tech. Like in Gunhawk, for the, for the moving background, I'm actually using a palette animation which is you can basically change the colors that are assigned to certain graphics. So okay. that bottom floor isn't actually moving, it just is changing colors in such a way that it looks, that it makes it have the illusion yeah. of yeah. moving towards you on the screen. So gotcha. And it's really fun to be able to do those effects because we don't do them anymore no. because no. the technology's different. Yeah. Um, you can just reinforce everything now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you, you, just get, you just get to use all the colors. I'm like, yeah. oh, I have 16 of them. So yeah, right? you do all the art? Um, I do most of the art. So all of the art for Fire and Rescue, all the sound art, everything I did myself. Okay. Uh, for Gunhawk, I'm do- I've done most of the art, uh, but the musical track is from an artist named DB, okay. who was actually DJing at Magfest last night. Oh, okay. Uh, so she was the one who was like the final DJ on stage last night. She's really cool. Merci. So DB-I. Yeah. 
Um, so she did the, the music for, for the game, and she also designed like the HUD, like that top HUD on the screen, okay. which was really cool. Yeah. And then I took parts of it and like repositioned <laughs> it to different areas. She also did the, the buildings in the background in that game. Okay, yeah. What's really cool is that like I talked to her about like the, the like the tile limitations, and she's like, okay, I got gotcha. you. And so she made like six different tiles that we could rearrange into different buildings. Perfect. So good. Oh Genius. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's super awesome. Too. Yeah. Um, Gosh, yeah, and so another, here's a good line that I have for you, which is something I've been saying to a lot of folks, is that the compiler, for, so during the Nintendo, uh, programming for the Nintendo, I found like the compiler is like the best producer I've ever had. Okay. Because basically whenever I keep adding things to the game, at some point the compiler will say, there's no more space, yeah. you can't add anything more. Right. Unless you take something out, this cannot go in, and I'm like, so every that, time you run your code, it's like telling you what you can and can't do. Pretty much. Like, I'll be like, times like, okay, I'm going to... So actually, I was planning to have an upgrade system in the build uh, for this build of Gunhawk. And I was working on it last night, but I ran out of space to fit into the ROM. Oh, no. And so I need to like kind of reconfigure other parts and optimize things to make space for it. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like the compiler saying like, hey, too big of a risk. You know, calm down. It's like the best producer I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Um, I wish some of my human producers had helped me out <laughs> as much as that, as that compiler does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a really great space to work with. And a lot of the people in this space, the, the homebrew space, uh, some people talk about trying to like uh, rebrand a little bit how I would refer to it because homebrew, it makes sense for people who play games. It makes sense to you and me. But to, to a more general audience, it's maybe not as clear. Yeah. Some people have been suggesting like, well, how about a phrase like, you know, console name plus indie. So like Ness Indie. Oh, so yeah. we're going to see how that goes. That's a conversation that started like last night, yeah. you know, and so things <laughs> are like, there's a lot of exciting stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, that's one thing that drew me is that it's interesting that it's on an old console because, right. you know, normally see that, a new game on an I old know, console. There's more than you'd expect. I mean, if oh, you've gone yeah. to, into that corner, there's the whole homebrew section over there. Oh, wow. And uh, that's actually being run by MegaCat, okay. which is uh, the WrestleQuest studio over there. Okay. And they have, uh, they they kind of cut their teeth on doing this kind of like NES indie homebrew type stuff. Okay. And their, their studio has actually gotten fairly large now. I was wow. talking to them earlier. They're like, yeah, we have 60 people. I'm like, whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a 12 year old. So, are you selling your games anywhere online? Uh, yes, I'm selling them at my site, skyboygames.com. Okay. Um, you can also find the ROMs to download on like uh, skyboygames.itch.io. Uh, you can find Skyboy Games on like the usual social media suspects of like Twitter, yeah. Mastodon, yeah. Uh, Instagram. Ah, <laughs> Sometimes I'll actually like update my the Facebook too um, okay. if I want my parents to know how I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, but we're all on there. People can order uh, physical copies of the game too. Yes. Uh, the new version, physical version of Fire and Rescue. There's actually a new trick on there where there's actually an NFC chip. So if you use an NFC reader and hold it over the, the label of the cartridge, it'll actually give you a link where you can download the, the ROM as well. So oh, that's new cool. little tech. That's so you don't need any of this. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it turns out NFC stickers are super cheap. You get them for like 30 cents nowadays. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for the interview. No, it's yeah, my For our final interview from MAGFest 2023, I had the opportunity to chat with Yames, the solo developer of Growing My Grandpa. So, 
tell me who are you and uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, so I'm games. Uh, I make uh, creepy computer games. Uh, I call them. Uh, they're horror games, but they are more creepy than scary. That's why I use you know, the the creepy description. Um, uh, what I'm working on? Uh, well, I just released going my grandpa, which is uh, available on itch.io and, itch.io and Steam. It's a combination of a, a sort of a, a Tamagotchi uh, slash uh, virtual pet uh, mixed with like a point-and-click adventure game. Uh, again, it's more creepy than scary. Uh, it's got um, uh, a lot of lore, a lot of a lot of um, uh, backstory to dig into. Uh, it takes about three hours to play. There are two endings. Um, what I am currently working on uh, is a uh, sequel to my uh, one of my very first games, Discover My Body. It's a, the sequel is called Discover Our Bodies. Uh, it's uh, it's it sort of continues a lot of the themes of the first one. Uh, with like uh, expanded mechanics and story and uh, dives more into the world of discovering my body. Wow, that is a lot. That's awesome. I, I'm a big fan of uh, indie horror, so oh, I'm excited to go check out your other stuff Thank for you. sure. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about Growing Grandpa. How, um, how did you decide to start making this game? What was it born out of? And... Um, also, I'm curious about creepy pasta and if it has anything to do with any kind of creepy pasta. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with like creepy pasta, really. Um, there's like it's interesting because I got a, I have a lot of people who are interested in more like traditional horror come into my games and play it, and then I have a lot of people who are less interested in horror, but they say, "Oh, I can play your games." You know, they're interested. You know, I don't normally go for horror games, but. You know, this is just very intriguing or very interesting. And it's like, it does the scares in a way where it's not like, I'm not like, you know, nothing's jumping out at you, jump, no jump scares or whatever like that. Um, but um, how did I come up with growing my grandpa? Um, I don't know, I think I just had an idea about uh, somebody, uh, I think I, I was working on like, trying to think of short form content for TikTok, right? I'm not, I'm on TikTok, but I'm not super active. But I was thinking, like, okay, what would be a good thing? So I thought about like uh, growing my, like, I don't know what it was. I think I imagined something just like grow, growing like a person in a bathtub through like via mail, mail order. Like I would say like, oh, I got these new seeds from the whatever and then grow them in the bathtub. But um, how did that turn into growing my grandpa? I think I just thought it's interesting sort of growing my grandpa, like a grandpa, something uh, old, right? But you're young. There's sort of like a whole paradoxical inverse relationship between uh, going back to something that's old and creating it. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in that sort of thing. Um, uh, and then I think, uh, yeah, just a lot of my games have to do with like sort of a combination of like science fiction, uh, but then also like more like fantastical themes like there's lots of stuff about psychics and like um, there's a big component to growing my grandpa that's about the occult and like uh, symbolic magic and like like uh, psycho like uh, like sort of like psychoanalytic uh, thinking like uh, there's a steam review for growing my grandpa that was something like uh, an introduction an introduction to Lacanian psychoanalysis and I was like oh yeah that kind of makes sense because like there's lots of stuff about Mother, the mother and the father and desire and all this stuff so yeah I don't know I just think these things just really interest me and I really like to, to, to dive deep into them when I make my stuff yeah 
where can we find Growing Grandpa? So Growing My Grandpa is on uh, Steam and itch.io. Um, uh, it's my only game on Steam at the moment, but more are coming. Um, you can go to yames.info uh, for more information about that. I also have a Patreon where um, uh, I release games uh, for people. It's sort of a semi-exclusive fashion. fashion. So like Growing My Grandpa was... Uh, it was released, uh, they're called Games, Secret Games. You know, they're semi-secret, but somewhat known. So, Growing Grandpa was actually released for his two patrons, you know. Um, uh, you can join for as little as, like, uh, $1 at the moment. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but just look out for it, discover our bodies. Um, and, uh, yeah, check out the Patreon. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Stretch Hamstrong, at Stretch Hamstrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I have one last question for you, um, and it's one of our favorites. <laughs> if you could go back in time and change something or give yourself advice, what would you say to yourself? Uh, I guess I would just to say, just say, like, I'd probably just tell myself to chill out. I just, yeah, just, you know, hey, don't, you know, uh, keep a, keep a good perspective on things, I guess. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. You know, I need that too. Chill out and keep a good perspective. That's, it's a struggle. We've all had moments where it's like, yeah, we thought about sometimes where we're so in our head and we wish, we wish us from the future could come and say, hey. Calm, calm down. It's okay. Yeah. Right. It's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Just keep with it. Well, thank you so much, James. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Game Raven Review Podcast. I have been Puppet, and you can find me on Twitter and Twitch and Facebook and Instagram at PuppetMasterN. That's PuppetMasterEN. And you can find Sarah on all the socials at Sarah Sweet Bee. That's Sarah, sweet as in honey, and bee as the adorable little insect. And you can find Faye on all of our socials at Little Forest Faye. And as always, find us on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, and everything else at Game Raven Review. And for more indie news and reviews, please visit us at GameRavenReview.com. Have a fantastic week, and until next time, goodbye.